Cyber Synapse, the podcast that's creating connections through candid conversations about cyber issues. Sponsored by Agency, with your host, Kath Nibbs. Welcome to this week's episode. This week, I'm joined by Jocelyn Brewer, who is a psychologist out in Australia. So it's a short, sharp drop in this week to introduce uh, the episode because uh, I'm just about to record another podcast interview. And it's a beautiful sunny day. We've had quite a bit of uh, rain in uh, England, I believe, uh, which most people are very happy about. Um, I've stayed off social media because everybody seems to be updating about the rain. Um, so hopefully I'll get to spend uh, the rest of the weekend to myself and get some more bits and pieces done. Um, so this week we're actually talking about uh, digital nutrition and how uh, Jocelyn uses this phrase to talk about healthy amounts of um screen time, game time, uh, and, and really what we're talking about in this episode is parenting. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a lovely episode in terms of um, how Jocelyn talks about where she is in terms of parenting versus kind of where I am, but how we're both in the cyber world. Um, so I'm going to, as usual, ask you to rate, subscribe, share this episode. Um, don't forget to head on over to www patreon.com forward slash cyber synapse and become one of my patrons um you'll be um you'll be available to available i don't even mean available i mean you'll, you'll be able to listen to some of um some of my uh, current news and um that may be coming out either next week or the week after on uh, the podcast in the introduction part um so i'm i'm quite a giddy kipper at the moment um as always let me know what you think about the episode um please do share this around let's keep this information going for parents for teachers for professionals and i shall see you next week come to cyber synapse this week i'm joined by jocelyn brewer who is currently uh, out in sydney and um jocelyn is a psychologist looking at healthy behaviors of technology use and before I kind of jump in and ask you why do you do what you do, I think what we started with a second ago was what what on earth does healthy mean? I think this could be a podcast all in its own, so we'll try and limit it. Yeah, absolutely. So, hello. Thank you. Um, what is healthy these days? And I guess um, when I talk to families and I talk to kids or even adults, this is about tuning in to what works for you and what uh, helps you stay aligned with your values and reach your goals and, you know, realize your dreams and all those kind of woo-woo things. So it's about that balance, even though I'm stepping away from talking about balance, because that seems really, really difficult. Um, balanced life is sort of like, you know, mm -hmm. doing your great sunrise and drinking great smoothies. Um, maybe it's about just being, re being responsive to stresses in your life and being able to cope with stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay then. Um, so with the question that I ask everybody, why do, why do you do what you do? Yeah. Um, well, it was kind of an accident to begin with about 10 years ago. I was a high school teacher retraining to become a psychologist. And part of that was I needed to do a research project. And the principal at the school I was at said, you should suss out what's happening when we hand out laptops to kids in year nine and say, go mm -hmm. and learn with those um, laptops. And he was noticing a lot of gaming and I wrote a project on gaming and you know internet addiction um and was very green about all of these things back then and mm -hmm. i just got really passionate about it and kept following 
um, I guess I started thinking about my own habits. I was on MySpace at the time. I was meeting lots of people. Some of my best friends I met on MySpace. Yeah. And some of the coolest people I've, like you I've met through Twitter. So I was really reflecting on that myself. And then the work sort of has just spiralled out of that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So what what we said we'd talk about today just for the very first uh, podcast because we've got we've got plenty of these to do I think over the next few years this is not a topic that's going to go away is it um so we're, we're going to talk about digital nutrition so this is this is a phrase that you've kind of coined and used and would would you like to explain what that is Well, it's basically a response to digital detox. So um, I noticed the conversation was going around this idea of detoxing and I was thinking we're talking about addiction in reference to kids. We're Mm -hmm. talking about detoxing kids. And that to me was really hectic kind of polemic terms to be using rather than coming at it from a healthy again, there's that word, a balanced kind of nuanced space. So it was actually live on radio. I, the digital nutrition came out of my mouth and it's sort of stuck. So that was about five years ago. Um, so in effect, it uses the analogy with food to think about if we are what we eat, how can we shape um, our relationship with technology so it gives us something that we need rather than depletes us or makes us feel gross. So mm-hmm. um, it's not just about thinking that... Um, in terms of the online activities. So are there virtual vitamins? If there were apps, uh, nutritional labels for apps and games, what would that look like? But also our relationship to technology. So you can be super healthy, but actually have a bad, bad relationship with um, with the food that you're eating and, and your body and all of those sorts of things. So yeah, way of conceptualising our relationship with technology and our devices and our platforms mm-hmm. and metacognitions even that we we have when we're scrolling yes i mean i I must admit i quite like the terminology in terms of um so i'm i'm a biohacker um which which technically means it's not cyborg which most of the you know whenever i try and explain it to people it's like what what do you mean by that what i'm doing is using food to help me in a in a nutritional way but i also have kind of the the unhealthy habits that other uh normal people have um because that that's one of the things we can talk about you can be overly healthy can't you so i'm just thinking about the the kind of if we if we say this in terms for um the listeners and and viewers then actually this would be like those people that are at the gym seven days a week over exercising taking all of the supplements take it yeah actually that's the opposite end of the spectrum and what what you're trying to say is actually we need to be in the middle Mm mm-hmm yeah. So there's positive addictions, I guess. And you do see those people. Mm. I see those people at the gym all the time. Um, uh, and, and there's, you know, different uh, places on the spectrum to sit around health. And, and that will, you know, depend on at the moment in Sydney, it's bloody cold, probably not by your standard, but, um, you know, and so we, we respond to things differently at different times of the year when we're stressed about different things when we're not stressed you know you might Mm -hmm. find that you're playing a lot more fortnight in the school holidays like we've just had because it is winter rather than in the summer holidays where you are more likely to be at the beach and out and about and doing those good things yeah yeah (laughs) yeah i'm actually this this takes me back to um the book of so I've, I've interviewed Pat Markey. Uh, I'm going to try and get hold of Chris Ferguson. Um, that I must admit, these academics are like scarlet pimpernels when you try and pin them down. Um, but 
I, I will. I won't give up. Um, but the, the thing that they talk about in their books is how certain, um, certain weathers, but certain games, and actually how when the game first comes out, everybody kind of rushes inside to play the game. And you might only be looking at a week for these campaigns now. Um, yeah. And then what happens is then the children go back to what they were doing beforehand. And I, I think we're getting a little bit of this with Fortnite. So I am interviewing somebody later on this week. And we're going to talk about gaming, gaming addiction, gaming, all of the words I hate. Um, mm -hmm. But this is, this is what we're saying, actually. It's, it's okay to have that kind of, I want to call it a concertinaed play, where yeah. you, you kind of wrap it all up in a weekend, because yeah. actually, that's what these children are doing, is competing. Yeah. And you know what I did in the 90s, when like a new Tori Amos <coughs> album came out? I lay on my bed and listened to that album over and over and over again, probably for, mm. you know, a week maybe, and then I went, okay, I'm sick of this, what's next? And it was like, Smashing Pumpkins, or, you know, whatever yeah. emo thing was next. So, um, you know, you say gaming addiction i say i listened to heaps of music and i turned out okay <laughs> I, yes one of my one of my favorite lines and it's gone in a blog in uh, it's gone in my book i don't know how many times is about never ever ever have i heard anybody in the 1980s have telephone communication disorder right. even if we were stuck at the wall to it you know the ones with the wires and so on never did that happen so yes. part part of me understands that it's it's hyperbole and and the other part of me goes yeah it's scaremongering but also we don't know what we're talking about at the moment in terms of long-term effects and yet here we are the media yeah some of the IGN stuff <laughs> yeah absolutely who um yeah I had the pleasure of experiencing in Sydney last week with her graphs and her correlational Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Funnily enough, there's beginning to be a bit of a trend in this podcast. Um, I, I don't know whether I have a slight bias in terms of the, the people I've interviewed so far all share the same opinion. So part of my curiosity is I wonder what it would be like to have her on the podcast. Anyway, that's, that's my own thinking out loud there. Yeah, and absolutely extend that invitation. Um, mm. I mean, we could talk a lot about that because I was very surprised in Australia that um, some peak organisations um, featured her and, and supported that event. And there was a bit of a pushback, I guess, around the science that it was representing, given that Australia has some remarkable researchers and we do some really cool stuff here. I, the absolutely. Conversation, the yeah. conversation could have been a lot more than let's, you know, limit um, screen time to two hours a day because I, I sort of go, really, two hours? Where did that two hours come from? Show um, me the research. Uh, well, that's, that's, yeah, that's the APA, isn't it, that decided that toddlers and uh, children under whatever it was, because I, I, I did this in my... Um, yeah. But the, the review of the research, when you actually dig into the research, it shows that we're not really looking at tablet technology and the play that exists around that. Yeah. And I just find it really amazing that time after time it's two, two rounded hours, not, you know, an hour and 37 minutes or two hours and 14 seconds or whatever it's two hours um, so yeah so in, in in my book i've talked about how we measure this screen time uh, so would we include uh billboards at the airport would we include uh, the whiteboard at school because one of the things i like to do in training is go to everybody now by the end of the day you're all going to have screen addiction disorder because obviously i'm showing you the powerpoint on a screen yeah. And, you and can, what I loved about the talk, right, is join the conversation and hashtag this thing because while we're talking yeah. about disconnect and, you know, think about the impacts, we're also saying please, please engage with the conversation and 
be a part of this movement. So I, again, even that I find really very murky. Um, yeah. You know, we talk about teenagers wanting likes and being obsessed with um, that, you know, reinforcement. And but that's what drives the media, you know, that that's what drives all of the, the headlines that we read. Isn't it? It's, it's, well, what, what, <laughs> yeah. You know, a, a little bit um, immature. Um, well, this is what I say to young people, you know, where, where you get the blame from the media, actually, they're doing exactly the same as you, but they're looking for numbers of views and then who uses that and who shares that video and who I said, so actually you might want 42 likes. Cause I believe that's the, um, that's the miracle number for whether your picture stays <laughs> up or not. But there's also something about, I wonder what the media companies consider is their number of right now we've hit i don't know five thousand views does that make it a verifiable story and does that mean we can now use that as our evidence going forward and i'm like wow that's that's just what teenagers are being in inverted commas blamed for yeah mm. and i guess that aren't even as savvy enough to look at their comments and say well x number were negative and and pushed back on on whatever was in our sensational story whereas kids if they get a negative comment are like oh, what have i done and they really take that criticism yeah. off me back to heart whereas for the media it's like who cares we've got thirty thousand comments we're not interested in if most of that was blowback telling us we were doing bad science and yeah. you know um just sharing fake news so there's a lot of i mean that's where all the digital literacy and the really interesting kind of teaching stuff can really happen um and it's not just about kids learning this stuff it's about parents it's about us it's about everyone sort of getting on board to say mm, hold on that doesn't sound quite right is there more to think about with this and um, yeah although it is terribly human um terribly human that's interesting terribly human to kind of err on the side of uh, premature conclusions without looking at the evid evidence to go oh hang on that might be a maybe hmm. so yes. in in transactional analysis one of the things we talk about are the yes and the no answers but actually there's a maybe before hmm. you get to the yes and the no and human beings don't like that bit in the middle they kind of just pick the yes or the no yeah mm. we're not very good with gray and uncertainty no, and, and to be perfectly honest, that's where all of the, the growth, the excitement, the curiosity, that's where it all lays. I'm like, yeah, I'm in the middle. <laughs> this is, I mean, what did I get called the other week? Was it a, 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 hip, a hippie sorceress or something? Because I'm just way in the middle. Wow. And I was like, wow, okay. Don't know whether to take that as a compliment or whatever, but hey, that's, that's where I'm at, baby. <laughs> yeah. So how do, you how do you think we can educate, um, get this message, bearing in mind we've just talked about that the media would uh, like to do what they like to do, how do you think we can combat or uh, yeah, make, make equal on this um, healthy digital nutrition? How, yeah, going for yeah. the middle, yeah. going for the middle road here, Jocelyn, how can we do this? Well, yeah, it, I mean, part of this is about parents being able to um, notice their own need well okay parents are overwhelmed parents are seeking information when you seek information you're more likely to find some of the sensationalist stuff parents need to know that some of the things that come up are not necessarily going to be based on fact because you know the, the reality is the things that we want to talk about don't make great sound bites they don't make great clickbait and so when we get off our need to be sort of sucked into the clickbait we might actually discover that some of the answers to what we're looking for are a little bit more simple um but <coughs> well 
straightforward and and are surrounded by or well, centered on being humans rather than you know downloading an app to monitor your kids online use or you know all of these other things that we look towards beyond our own sort of skill set or intuition and wisdom as parents um mm-hmm. parenting itself is so wrought with advice giving you literally no one trusts a parent to kind of tune in and develop their own skill set and ask the right questions. Yeah. Um, I found that really fascinating myself as kind of, you know, I've got a 15-month-old that literally you post anything about parenting online and you get advice. It's a comment, yeah. it's a, you know, quirky observation, advice, boom. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, yeah, can we fix the media? Um, no, maybe not, but we can probably look to better media sources and, and kind of know being able to sort out, I guess, your, your daily mail from your guardians and, and even within that being able to look at some of the agendas around reporting or, you know, things like that. So, yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, I wholeheartedly agree on the parenting thing. I'm, I'm slightly ahead of uh, you in terms of work. My, my children are actually... Uh, late adolescence now so they're, they're almost almost when i say that at the, the full maturity of their their brains at the moment um can't wait <laughs> um because the, the emotional dysregulation i'll tell you in in teenage years is yeah it's one heck of a roller coaster ride but there, there's something around yeah the amount of parenting advice that i see and um i'm always curious about parenting experts you know when when you see this word and i i'm i'm interested in Okay, so how, how many children do you actually have? Or how, it, it, there's something around. If you were a parenting expert, we'd all be doing the same thing. But do you know what? There's 8 billion of us on the planet. One rule does not fit us all. So, yeah. so there has to be something about human behavior, I think. And this is, yeah. this is kind of how I've, I've kind of phrased it in, in my book is, is about um, it's, it's the human behavior that we need to look at, but also being quite open to the continuum of some people may lie towards this end of the spectrum and some people may lie the opposite end and it's being able to say okay so we need this fluidity but also to say okay so that this is why i quite like your um when we talked about healthy right at the beginning so it's what is healthy well actually it's individual it's individual and what works for that family for that child because i i don't know about you just because you you do work as a counselor don't you yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, a psychologist. Yeah. Do, you, do you get um, referral forms that say my child's addicted to the internet or my, da- my child's addicted to... And I just go, what is this about? <laughs> it's, just like, I'm, it's almost like anger problem, or whatever yeah. that means. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A completely external behaviour that we don't want to um, kind of consider in any context that could be related to um, other humans <laughs> or, you know, anything like that. Um, I, I guess too, with parenting, you know, there's so many factors involved, cultural factors, but generational mm-hmm. factors too. So just the fact that I am, you know, I'm 40 and I, I had a, you know, have a small human, whereas my mom was 22 when she had me. So that in itself, you bring so many different skills already to yeah. the role, but then that was like the late seventies versus 2017. Um, you know, it all kind of compounds. And I guess, especially when we talk about digital issues, some parents are really down with things. They're very literate and open and their parenting style. So, you know, those classic four parenting styles really then do feed into um, the digital space as well. So especially around this, you kind of can't prescribe anything because 
you know, the digital cultural understanding within each family is going to be quite different. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, so many variables when it comes to, to yeah. regulating tech use. Yeah, I've, I've been, um, so not being a psychologist, I'm a psychotherapist, uh, um, mm -hmm. with, with, actually with a psychology background. One of the things I do is I sit and talk with parents. So I have a, um, my framework is interpersonal neurobiology, which probably mm -hmm. means jack bugger all to anybody listening. But what that actually means is it's all about what's happening within us and between us. So whenever there's, there's a referral form for a child, I'm going, okay, where did this stem from? You know, this is about where this behavior came from, how it happened in this family, where this family's situated, the context that they're in. And like you've said, it's, it's multifactorial, it, it, it factorial even. And, and you go down all the way down and you can bet your bottom dollar that when you get to the very, very base of it, it's all about a distraction or it's about a, a way of coping. And I tend to say to people, actually, this is a self-soothing technique. It's, it's just an attachment. Yeah. 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 yeah, and we're attaching to devices because they do fulfill a range of functions for us, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and I guess I'm really aware with a small human who suddenly knows that there's a TV that plays play school um, at nine o'clock. I'm trying to teach her this concept of time because, you know, again, when I grew up, there was only kids shows on and it was play school and then Sesame Street at nine o'clock and 9.30. It wasn't a 24-7 on-demand thing, yeah. which has created this, you know, generation of demanding kids because you demand the black box will play what you want right now. I want Peppa Pig, it comes on, you're soothed, great. Mm -hmm. But what happens when that, you know, after two presentations of play when she wants it, it's all over. She stands there and points, um, you know, and that, that applies to sleep. We've had a few issues with her sleep, for instance. So, you know, I can see how things like getting her to sleep and getting her to self-soothe then translate into some of the um, tech things. And yeah. I guess this is where it does become problematic when you're talking about a super little, you know, adaptive brain versus, you know, you know a 30-year-old who is choosing to play a game or, you know, sink into social media rather than making better choices. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Well, it, that ties nicely into kind of what I was talking with Joanna about the other week in, in terms yeah. of, um, so, yeah, so I was just thinking then that's, that's um, Walter Michelle's uh, marshmallow test, isn't it? Delayed gratification and how... And actually, I've tried to explain to some parents that actually your child may not have been a wait for two marshmallows child anyway. Mm. Uh, and I suspect that what we might see in our practices are the children who would have eaten the marshmallow just because there's one marshmallow rather than yeah. waiting for the second. And because, like, the marshmallow isn't relevant to you. Like, you don't care about the marshmallow, mm. right? Mm -hmm. You're presuming that the currency of marshmallow is something whereas you might find that if you presented do you want 10 minutes of Fortnite now or do you want and i'm using Fortnite because hey right, well like, let's stay topical game. <laughs> <laughs> um, you want 20 minutes of you know insert the next fortnight that's going to be even better later um and most kids will not want to delay that gratification because again they don't get the sense of time they don't do you remember when you learned that, I don't know if you guys have 60 minutes in the UK, but I remember when I learned that 60 minutes was like an hour and that was forever. It wasn't just like one time around. So the concept of time for kids is another big thing when you're talking about addiction or, you know, tantrums when they're coming offline, because if you kind of say five more minutes, kids don't really get what that is, but they get that it's a, it's a red light, it's a, a warning signal and, you know, their brain gets hijacked into freaking out and having that tantrum. Absolutely. Um, 
the, the well, example I give is you would never run onto the soccer pitch halfway through, you know, a quarter and say five more minutes, my kid's coming off. You know, I've just arbitrarily decided that the soccer game's over. The soccer game has, you know, really distinct quarters and you play as a team. And that's what parents sometimes don't understand about the online yeah. space. Yeah, and, and that's, I think, I don't know if I said it to Joanne last week. I know I definitely did on a podcast in America. I call it the spaghetti test. And I said to parents, you know how long it takes to cook spaghetti. And you get into this little battle about, they will go 12 minutes. And I go, oh, but what about al dente? And then you yeah. have this, well, it could be 10 minutes. Well, it could be 12. And I go, aha, uh-huh. so even spaghetti doesn't have a time limit. These yeah. games are also very, very similar. They, they might be in the middle of a campaign. They might be just about to capture the flag. And if you say, come off now, they're not going to get to complete. And there's also an issue about when you don't get to complete something for a child, it leaves a massive feeling of anxiety. And this is where I go into all the brain science and talk about how the amygdala kicks off and blah, blah, blah. Um, and that's, that's kind of how I'm explaining it to parents. And hopefully by the time I stop distracting myself with other things and get this book finished, <laughs> that's actually what I, that's really what I've done is I've put all of the brain science in there in a way that parents can understand that this isn't about your child being abnormal having anger problems it's about the fact that there's been an interaction which you don't understand part of yeah and it's about and understanding the brain, the brain doesn't have the capacity to oh. and, like, you know take on and process what mm. you're telling them without having that you know little conniption and that little behavioral spurt um and again I've, I've learned so much from my kid in terms of she cries and but it's a protest cry because she doesn't know how to say i want to read another book and i want to give you more cuddles i think oh my god she's crying i have to soothe her no that's her way of talking because she hasn't made the words mm -hmm. yet in another three years she'll be saying i don't want to go to bed blah 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 but for now i've got to listen to that quite differently and that's you know Similarly, yeah. you have to kind of interpret what kids are saying in lieu of the fact that they don't have that complete brain. It's really, it's such a, when I teach parents um, uh, emotion regulation stuff, you can see them kind of, their, their own brains light up. Yeah. And kids don't have the same brain as them, you know, that you actually yeah. go, remember being seven? And remember like the, the joy and the curiosity you brought to the world because you didn't know half the stuff you knew. Yeah. Yes, and also you didn't have the worries about mortgages and everything else and the electricity bill. And actually, those are the things you care about. It's not what a seven-year-old cares about. And for women, mental load is just so massive. Yeah. Like, imagine you could just outsource your mental load. That would give, give you kind of like... Ah, well, well, with the way that technology is going at the moment, and uh, um, um, I do have... I'm not actually going to give it away. I'm trying to get hold of somebody for a podcast because I think that... Um, Ah, oh, yeah, we're actually uploading consciousness already. We're taking wow. it. Um, we're taking it out of rats' brains and putting it into another. This has already been done and completed. Oh, is this the CRISPR stuff? Uh, there is part. Yes, there's some of the CRISPR stuff. Um, and um, what is her name? Oh, it's the second time her name's gone. Anyway, yeah, yeah. I, I heard a thing about gene editing and rats and yeah. Anyway. Yes. Well, actually, I do talk about. I try and remember what I, what it was exactly. Yeah, I do talk about other people's podcasts because I'm not. I, I, I'm share share share. Um, Rob Reed does a lot around the cyber stuff, so he's interviewed. He did a novel um, called After On, which is about a temperamental 14 year old Twitter. Uh, although it isn't obviously called Twitter, um, and it kind of gains consciousness and has. Um, uh, Pascal's Rationale and, and it's, oh, it's, it's an amazing book just as a novel but then from that he actually went out and interviewed the people that created some of the 
uh, information that went into his book. So definitely, I tell everybody, go over uh, and listen to Rob Reed's podcast, obviously after you've listened to this one, um, because actually we're in, the re- <laughs> we're, in, we're in the world with the children and the adults, because that's one of the things that I am finding, is this isn't about interviewing loads and loads of people in technology. This is about really speaking to people who are on the ground with the, with the children, with the adults, with the parents, and saying, hey, this is what we need to be looking at, really, because this is, this is where some of the stuff is... Uh, really fruitful and rich yeah with the schools you know i i, mm. I feel that schools really cop they're the rock in the hard place of the kids and the parents so a lot of the expectations around some of the roles of parenting um yeah. are placed on schools and then all the things that happen in kids bedrooms with personal devices flow into the classroom and become a real real drain on executive resources for them to become these cyber cops who have to run around and um, play detective uh, on on some of those kind of you know cyberbullying sexting issues. Um, yeah. yeah. So a lot of my work because I've been a school counsellor, so I've been in schools for fifteen years and as a counsellor for for ten in schools. Um, yeah, just seeing the impact that the digital space has. Well, it is positively, you know. There's lots mm. of great stuff that comes out of it. Yeah, I must say it's not so different with the adults either. So I'm I'm a child and adult and I see adults in therapy and my goodness, some of the issues the adults bring are far more interesting than what the children are up to, but in the uh, same time. Yeah, I work with a lot of people like what I call in information age jobs, so social media strategists, coders, um, journalists, people who are required to be connected for their work um, and how that really you know, they need to set up their own boundaries around how they connect. And, and especially, I think, for journalists and people like that, the sense of information overload and the, the need to write that next great headline that isn't playing into fake news and, and clickbait can, can become super, super um, anxiety-provoking for really talented people. Yeah. Yeah, I think, where did I hear it? So there is a piece of information that uh, I've picked up from somewhere. I can't remember where I've, where I've got it from. But if when I do the the time scale of, of life and I go okay so here's here's when man started to talk let's go back to Neanderthal caveman and here's the year 2004 something like that and I go that's a, an enormous amount of information well that gets shared approximately every 48 hours on the internet that amount of information so it's no wonder we don't know where to look or what to trust or how to trust it um, and yeah, I'm just thinking about this this happens in a lot of the Facebook groups um, so I regularly talk about this um, in terms of where counsellors will share stuff with each other on on Facebook. And I'm like, where have you got that from? Um, So somebody put up the other day uh, about the digital digital addiction. And I said, this, you know, stop it. This isn't even a thing. You know, can we stop sharing words like this that pathologise children, that pathologise people? And what's interesting and the thing that I like to remind people is that even in DSM-5 or up until DSM-5, the word addiction didn't appear. So in DSM-5 itself, they say addiction is actually this really tricky term and only the most severe cases would we use it. So we're kind of not going to use the A word. Uh Um, There's a really great article by a guy called Nick Haslam, um, in 2016 about concept creep and he talks about the idea that all of these concepts like bullying and refugee and addiction have crept into the vernacular and are being misused um it's a really interesting piece that really speaks to the way that any guilty pleasure or in fact any pleasure anything that we we're doing that we know maybe we should be having some more virtuous 
time spent um, becomes this thing we call addicted. Um, mm -hmm. And to me, that's really problematic, especially around, you know, the, the gaming disorder classification when we're talking about young people and giving them diagnoses. And then we're also talking about in Australia having a My Health record where any of your health records can be sit on a government portal. So if you go to from one GP to the other, you will have, you know, seamless um, treatment. And if you have a seven-year-old being diagnosed with something like this, how's that going to show up when mm -hmm. they're 17? You know, yeah. we talk about all the data retention stuff and Cambridge Analytica, but then do we trust actually some of these systems and what might happen in the future if, you know, addiction, I think train spotting when I think addiction. Um, yeah, I mean, okay, slight confession, I think I've said this on another podcast, I've defaced my DSM-5 um, just for a, I think it was, uh, so I do a Facebook Live on a Tuesday evening um, uh, and yeah, I was talking about why it's not gaming addiction, social media addiction, da, 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 da. and I've actually drawn just after that part where it says we need more research and kind of like, yeah, it's not a thing. And yet we do have, I mean, we do have the, the latest one from the who, <laughs> but I am going to veer back to what you said a minute ago. It's, this is about healthy. So actually there is a healthy amount of uh, let's call it bad stuff that you can do. And I'm not meaning bad as in shameful. I'm meaning eating too many cream cakes. Well, do you know what? Sometimes it's okay to do that if you then, uh, you know, look after yourself in whatever way. So in, in terms of my, uh, let's go with biohack in a minute. Mm -hmm. I sometimes have a drink of wine, but then what I do is I make sure that after that I detox properly. I take the, the proper roots of um, eating the, the correct foods to help me with that. Um, but it doesn't stop me going out and going, do you know what? It's a one-off. Or do you know what? I'm going to have a cream cake today. Or do you know what? I'm going to have a burger. Most of the time I don't have a burger uh, unless, what's it called? A skinny burger or something when you don't have the bread. Yeah, Which I just, then the amount of people that just look at me and I go, it doesn't matter. Just, I'll, I'll, I'll just have the salad. <laughs> um, yeah. That's where the context kicks in, right? If the mm. context is that it's Christmas and everybody's eating and that's kind of part of the cultural thing is that on that, you know, in that season, you're going to overdo it a bit, then that's quite different to that being what you do when you come home from school because there's nothing else there and you haven't been shown a range of healthy foods, for instance, or because, yeah. you know, the cheap carbs are the things that your family can afford. That's, that's another thing when we talk about, you know, the digital divide and some of those issues as well. It's just about our access to different things on the menu. Um, games on the menu, like how many um, parent presentations do I do when I ask parents about has anyone heard of serious games or games for change? No one's heard of that, but they've all heard of the, you know, the big um, name games. Mm. And I equate that to, you know, like the local film industry. Australia has a fantastic um, little indie film industry, but most people don't get out to see it unless you have a culture within your kind of community of seeing more arty kind of films. So yeah. it's just about broadening the diversity of what we participate in. Even within social media, the, the diversity of the hashtags you follow, the people, the communities, the sorts of things that you participate in doesn't necessarily have to um, be good or bad. And, and there's, uh, I guess there's issues then within going into your own echo chamber and only listening to the same kinds of opinions that you agree with rather than getting alternative opinions and and interacting with people who have completely opposite ideas to you. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. So the, the context, I always talk about mm-hmm. the idea that the context and the content, the cognitions and the function of the tech use is much more important than just the time alone. Um, and again, you know, an athlete, if we just looked at counting digital calories or, you know, calories, an athlete would could consume heaps more calories than, you know, me who's going to sit on my backside and try and write my thesis for the next three months. I would mm-hmm. go to the gym, do some yoga and Pilates and all of that, but, you know, I'm not training for the Commonwealth Games or the Olympics yeah. or anything. Yeah, I'm... I think, so it's the second time it's popped in my head, so it must be uh, one of those things I've got to talk about. A minute ago when you were talking about games and and kind of the big games, I used to work in the gaming uh, industry and I noticed that the way that they they create this this urge and this surge um, is to to bring it about in uh, about November time. And what happens is then the children do pester power and then what happens is you're bought this brand new, I don't know, Spankers, uh, Xbox, PS, whatever it is, the new latest console. And then the games are produced just before Christmas. So it's costing parents an inordinate amount of money where not only do they have to buy the console, the children can't, won't, don't want to wait for a month. You know, and it's almost like, oh, but Billy's playing it and Tom's playing it. And then if Billy and Tom have played it and you haven't, you're now outed by your social group. And and I just think this is such a tough call on parents, but a very, very clever marketing technique. Yeah. And now with, with things like the free kinds of games, PUBG, Fortnite, all of mm. those things, there's not the upfront cost. Sure, there's all the, um, you know, extra doodads and bits and pieces that kids spend their money on or kids spend their parents money on um but there's there's they've taken away that kind of um barrier to entry um for for some of us absolutely so i think that's what i might be talking about next week um in terms of when when parents get this that their children get the game and it hasn't cost them anything actually to be let's call it prestige level with your friends you've got to start buying the in-pack purchases you, you know and it's almost like and that's where the money comes as well so yeah I'm, I'm kind of thinking this isn't just about healthy use it's about healthy financial situations for families yeah but it's also about self not just self-regulation but um assertiveness so being able to teach your kids to be able to say hey i, I just i'm not going to buy into that or my parents mm. don't let me do that um and being okay with that being able to kind of I'm not totally okay with it. No teen's going to say, oh, I'm not allowed to do that. Isn't this cool? But um, the communication between kids and their families, I guess, and the way that parents can explain their values and why their values stick, I think is really important. And to some degree, um, I think parents are really under the pump. They haven't necessarily thought about the impacts. They haven't thought about their values and they're not necessarily going to die on that hill every time if you've got kids pestering you. Um, the, the other thing that I, I know a lot of parents really struggle with is that they set their own boundaries for their household and that kind of works to some degree. But then when it comes to going for sleepovers or play dates yeah. or interacting with other families that have other rules, how do you be okay with that, knowing that your value system and what you know, you're comfortable with is going to slip? And, and how do you kind of um, reconcile that? Uh, I think a lot of parents are just really not very good with conflict. Um, and having those tough conversations. And again, that's part of what I teach in a course called yeah. Engagement. Yeah. Well, that, that's how I came round about to cyber trauma. So I watched my two children growing up with the games and so on. And um, it was actually when I was working for the gaming company, COD came out, the, the brand new uh, World War 
two edition and I'd got the I've got the super duper um, uh, promo edition and everything to take home and show off and I'd said no because of their age and my youngest went round to his friends and mum had bought him it not understanding what it was there was uh, one of my neighbours had got Grand Theft Auto not understanding what that game was and it was it was just so interesting to see how parents bought the games not quite understanding what they were but also I had to sit with my child and say, okay, this is not okay. This is like when you go to somebody's house and they put a horror on, which also happened to my other child, actually. And I had to say down the phone, go and tell that parent to turn that off immediately because you are not allowed to watch it. Um, and, and even parents have conversations with each other, right? And, and yeah. you know, the conflict or the, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be conflict, but the, that awkwardness, like, oh, how mm. do I broach this Thing where I don't want to say that they're wrong for doing this in their family, but I'm have questions. You know, it's not even curiosity at that point. At that point, it's just yeah. like my gut mm -hmm. is saying that's that's not what I want for my kid. Yeah. But I do want my kid to interact with yours. What else could we do? Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it had something to do with 18 rated films with you know heads being. Uh, yeah. Anyway, it was kind of like it was old, <laughs> and on the packet it says 18 plus. Uh, yeah. Just like, you know, with my kid, when she's six months old, you don't buy them those, like, you know, snack things that are for kids with teeth, you know. Uh, absolutely. Um, labelling. There are labels on all games, you know, and I think sometimes there are, um, there's a hashtag, the truth about tech, if you want to check out some really interesting mm -hmm. ways of sort of trying to, trying to rally against games, you know, just scream a hashtag, the truth about tech and, and yell at people about what they've designed. Um, uh, it's, yeah, there, there is a lot of information out there for parents if they can be bothered mm. to, you know, wait through. Yeah. And I, I will, I will kind of add in at the minute that I'm really, really surprised. Luckily, I don't have to live in this world of the academics being the psych that I can kind of do the, the slightly different academic. Um, there is something about when academics um, tout each other. So yesterday there was a tweet from one academic suggesting that other academics were part of the gaming uh, business. Oh, yes, saw that. Yeah. I, I was just like, how interesting. Where, when did this become a thing? Well, actually, it's human behaviour, isn't it, to attack each other like this, going, your research is rubbish because it counteracts mine. And so, yeah. yeah. And so much of the time it's comparing, you know, apples and apples maybe, but green apples with um, Jonathan. So, you know, what, when people sort of say, why, why is it so confusing? It's confusing, especially because you can't get good ethical approval to test dosages of technology on underdeveloped brains. You know, have you ever tried doing an ethics proposal, just asking kids questions, let alone mapping any of the activity yeah. that's going on in the brain, you know, forget it. So the good research is really hard to do. Um, obviously we want to move to things like pre-registration and replication and focus on some of those sorts of things rather than the cherry picking yeah. correlation stuff that gets so much. Attention. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as, as I said, I'm, I'm going to be kind of announcing what I'm doing for my, uh, my research shortly. So that's, that's going to be uh, quite interesting. I'm fully aware of um, what's going to come my way. Uh, but it is part and partial of being in being in the room and being able to ask certain questions and and yeah let's see what the answers bring um is there anything else you you think i'm just looking at the the time yeah. and i i need to shoot off as well um is there anything else you want to put into this podcast and i would love to have you back for a second one because i think actually we've again this keeps happening we've just cusped 
the, the yeah. periphery. That was my introduction. Now what would you like me to talk about? <laughs> um, oh, no, I, think, I think it's just a really interesting time to be having these conversations and it's not about, you know, right or wrong, good or bad. It's about the nuances. It's about keeping asking the questions and doing the research and having that dialogue. Um, I guess I... You know, it's interesting where you see these two different camps that um, occasionally you get them interacting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd love to see more of that. But unfortunately, even with the iGen event that we had in Sydney last week, at the Opera House of all places, there were three questions before. Oh, no, it's the show's over. So, um, you know, I didn't necessarily want to see the graphs. I wanted to ask the questions. And, and there's yeah. not really a forum, especially a face-to-face forum, because I think a lot of this stuff gets lost on Twitter and your ability to engage in a, a kind of kind human way gets frayed a little bit. So Yeah, um, Twitter's, Twitter's yeah. a very angry place at, at most of the time. So we just started to feel that. Um, oh. A thing happened a couple of weeks ago with um, somebody quoting some old research on games and... Um, there were some amazing UK-based people, Pat Markey and, and things like that, came into bat for me. And, it, it, like, I know that a lot of people um, have trauma from Twitter. And I've only really just started to get that and I'm suddenly like, oh, yeah, I've been... I've been watching, yeah, well, you see, because I have... Um, uh, because I'm a practice and what I actually do. So I and see... And you're a woman. Uh, well, yeah, I've seen, I've seen it. one of my friends... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, one of my friends is a um, campaigner, so so I see it in in quite a yeah. few of the realm. So it's like it's almost like my Twitter. Uh, if I go friends, um, so I might have those that are involved in trauma, those that are involved in um, like not pathologizing people. So you know, getting rid of this. There's, there's a movement called Drop the Disorder. Um, there's there's some of my friends that are women, rad femmes, feminists, and I see what they get. I then look at all the um, child sexual abuse stuff, which is uh, one of the things that I've worked with for a long time. And it's amazing. It is amazing how these humans can actually attack. And I think that was that was 140 or 280 characters. How can you how can you possibly understand what was meant by it? Um, yeah, really interesting. So it's it's why I tend why I tend to stay off it. So, yeah. yeah. Excellent. Lovely to chat. Thank you yeah. so much. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So thank you very much, Jocelyn. And um, I will catch up with you soon and we'll do part two. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.